Hello and welcome to... Oh, I nearly said the Celtic state of mind there, Liam. I'm so far through. I'm so far <laughs> yeah. through these videos and I've not done it once. Uh, uh, Celtic down under. Um, I'm joined by Liam as we um, review each of the teams ahead of the Qatar World Cup. I'm not going to lie, Liam. We are, we're struggling, aren't we? It's getting to that stage. Yep, kind of running on fumes here. Um yeah, also, fair play to you, Laura. You, sound, you sounded slightly less angry than my wife does after having to spend about an hour talking to me. So, you know, you're, <laughs> you're doing all right. No, I have to say, speaking to you is the pleasant part of this whole process. Uh, having to <laughs> eke out a 20-minute video about the Iran or Saudi Arabia squad is not so easy. Um, bearing in mind... Or with that in mind, let's uh, talk about Morocco for as long as we mm. can. Um, yeah. They are, of course, the last team that we are reviewing uh, in Group F. They will be facing Belgium, Canada and Croatia in their group stage. Um, mm. Not the most um, usual ways of getting to the World Cup, it has to be said. Despite cruising through their initial group, the way the African qualifiers work, they did end up having to go to a playoff. Um, mm. quite a dramatic playoff as far as I'm aware against against um, Congo um, mm. wh what do you make of their inclusion this year are they a kind of are they a team that you associate with the World Cup in any way well yeah I mean you know obviously the last last the last game Scotland played at a World Cup was a 3-0 drubbing from Morocco so yeah. um, the, the the trauma is still there and it is still very raw um, uh, but uh no, I, I think they are one of those teams that you always kind of expect to see there, but um, they don't... The thing is, Africa now has about five or six teams that we tend to think of as World Cup teams. You've got yes. Morocco, you've got Cameroon, you've got Nigeria, um, you've got Egypt, and uh, and you've got South Africa. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we always think of them as being like the, the African teams that should be there. But of course, and especially in more recent in more recent years, you've got Ghana and Senegal who have have been regular yes. qualifiers as well. Of course, yeah. Um, but of course, the World Cup qualifying being what it is, only about half of those teams can actually get there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so of course, sadly, we have no Nigeria this year, um, with, or Egypt, which is a shame. Yep. Um, but, I would uh, actually argue the way that you've listed those off, perhaps the African continent is the most difficult to qualify for a World Cup from. Am I, is that fair to say? In terms of the number of high quality teams there are and the limited number of places, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. People say European qualifying is the most difficult, but actually Europe for its size gets a disproportionately high number of places. So mm -hmm. we should probably keep quiet on that and say that lesser quota get cut even more. No, that's that that's fair to say. And like you say, there are so many teams there that, that you mentioned who have provided such amazing World Cup memories for all of us. Um and to see any of them miss out is 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 unfortunate. But but Morocco are the team that made it. Um and with that in mind um, we'll have a look at, at at their squad and who they've got coming to the World Cup to represent them this year. Um, there's a particular talking point I want to make about one of their star players, but we'll get into that in a little bit more time. Um, we've got Yassine Bono of Sevilla, Munir Mohamedi of Alweda, and Ahmed Reda Tagnauti of um, Wyada F Wydad FC. 
Um, mm. So it looks like, according to this article, that uh, Yasin Bounou is the undisputed number one for Morocco, having played in every match in the World Cup qualification campaign and also being first choice at Sevilla. Um, with that in mind, I mean, he's probably one of the more accomplished goalkeepers at the World Cup, I would say, for any nation. Yeah, I mean, traditionally, and again, I'm I'm stereotyping here, but traditionally the African teams, uh, the goalkeeper is often seen as the weak link. Um, yeah. A bit like the South American teams in that sense. Yeah. But Morocco have a very solid, very dependable goalkeeper there uh, and a very experienced goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that is a it's a very good, um, solid foundation on which to build a team. Absolutely. Um, and the foundation continues when you look at the um, back line uh, for Morocco. There's Archaf Hakimi, who is of PSG, formerly of Inter Milan. Nusir Mazraoui, sorry, of Bayern Munich. Yawad El Yamik of Valladolid. Romain Saiz of Besiktas. Akraf Dari of Stad Brest, Yahya Atiat Alal, that's easy for me to say, of Waidad AC, Badr Benun of Qatar, and Naif Aguerd of West Ham. Standout there, obviously, is Hakimi at PSG. As much of an attacking threat as a defensive one for Morocco, how much of an impact do you think he can have at both ends of the pitch for, for helping them get a result? Yeah, definitely. Um, Morocco's style of play has always been um, to utilise the attacking fullbacks for as long as I've been following them at World Cups anyway. Mm -hmm. And Hakimi is just the latest in a long line of of great Moroccan players in those positions. So seeing what he can contribute going forward, I think will be more important than his defensive duties. Absolutely. I think he... In particular, even if the player over on the other side of the park is not going to have the freedom, Hakimi will without doubt be given the freedom to to roam up and down that side of the pitch that he commands so well for PSG and and the threat of his pace especially and mm. his his delivery um will will make uh, Morocco one of those teams where I think if you kind of lose concentration for a little bit, you might you might find yourself in trouble because he's so able to to catch on to things and be an outball for, for, for Morocco as well. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, like you said, concentration is key because, well, as, uh, as we saw last night, not only did Saudi Arabia catch Argentina cold, but Tunisia largely outplayed Denmark for swathes of their game as well because they were an unknown quantity, as Morocco are, and they came in and just played some excellent football. Yeah, I mean, so, the, 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 the yeah. World Cup is nothing if not an education in, in, in you know, exercise or, 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 or getting rid of your ignorance with with regard to these teams, because I think it's fair to say mm. nobody was expecting Tunisia to do anything, and here they've already got more points than Argentina at this tournament. <laughs> <laughs> so um, with that said, we'll move on to the Morocco midfield. Um, not a lot of um, standout names there, apart from perhaps um, if you're a follower of Italian football, they've got Abdelhamid Sabiri and Sofiane Amrabat of Fiorentina and Sampdoria, respectively. Um, I have to say, I expect Hakimi to be more of a threat than any of these players, um, and that's perhaps an indication of, of 
what I personally expect Morocco to do at this World Cup, which is not very much. Is that unfair of me to say so? Um, well, I I rate I probably rate their chances slightly higher than you do, but yep. they are they are the outsiders of this group. Um, but uh, I think it's because they're going to play a very different style of football to the likes of Croatia. As we mentioned, Croatia, Modric in that midfield, that's their engine room. That's where yeah. it all happens. But I think that with Morocco's attacking fullbacks, you're going to largely bypass... The midfield will be more of a holding position rather than a, a driving force. So I think, yeah, like you say, the attacks are going to come down the flanks and then it's going to be up to the strikers to get on the end of those. Um, so a lot more pressure is going to be on the Moroccan front line rather than the midfield, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, with that said, we'll move on to the Moroccan front line and I have a particular player that I want to go into a little bit of depth on, but we'll go through the names before we do that. Mm. We've got Hakim Ziyech of Chelsea. We've got Zakaria Abu Khalil of Toulouse. We've got Sofiane Buffal of Angers. We've got Yusuf El N. Naziri of Sevilla, a really, really dangerous player. Uh, Ez Abdi of Osasuna. Anas Zarouri of Burnley. Elias Tahir of QPR. Abdurazak Hamdala of Al Itad. And Walid Chedira of Bari. Now, the player I wanted to speak specifically about, we'll go on to N. Naziri of Sevilla, Sevilla in a little bit, but Hakim Ziyech. A little bit of an interesting one because he actually hasn't featured for Morocco very much, if at all, in the qualifying for this World Cup because he had a fallout with the with the manager. Oh, but yeah. I have to say that I think his inclusion in this squad for the World Cup could be the thing that makes a difference for, for Morocco. I am a huge, huge fan of, of, of Hakim Ziyech. He's not had the impact at Chelsea that I think he or most other people would have expected him to have. But um, I had the pleasure of watching him um, play for Ajax um, a few years ago when I went over to Amsterdam on holiday. Um, and it was in that famous young Ajax team that would go on to um, reach the, the European Cup semi-final. Um, it had the likes of Frankie de Jong, Matthias de Ligt, Donny van de Beek um, and the like in there. And the standout, without a doubt, was Hakim Ziyech in that team. The vision he had, the ability to pass, um, the ability to take on and, and get past players as well as a little bit of threat from set pieces as well. He's just a very, very competent playmaker and, and capable of that little bit of magic that could be what Morocco need. And what's your opinion of Ziyech as a player um, and what difference he could make for Morocco at this World Cup? Yeah, I mean, I I, I really enjoyed following that that Ajax team that year as well. They, they were inspirational and Ziyech was one of the main men. Um, again, with Chelsea... I always think you can't judge too harshly any player who doesn't necessarily hit his full potential at Chelsea because it's a type of team that doesn't lend itself to being a long-term success because they're a team that demand short-term results. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're coming from a different culture as Ziyech as is, you need time to bed in and you need time to find your feet and get to know your teammates, get 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 a feel for the, the different style of play, because English game is very different to the Dutch game as well. Mm -hmm. um, but Chelsea do not have that patience. If you 
sign a multi a multi million pound contract with them as he did, and you're not instantly banging the goals in, you're going to get labelled a dud, and I think that's really unfair. Yeah, I, I I think that's unfair as well, and I think a stage like the World Cup is a stage where a player of his ilk really um comes into their own, and I certainly hope for one um that he does that at this World Cup because I think his talent is is vastly underestimated, particularly over here in in the UK by people who haven't seen him in other other places, and I think he could really do a lot to 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 bring some sort of um glory for Morocco if they get the chance. Um looking at another player there, the other standout there is uh, Yusuf N Naziri for, for Sevilla. Obviously playing at a massively high level in La Liga with Sevilla and, and with the European pedigree that that team has got. Is that is that he a player you're particularly familiar with or or, or been aware um, of in recent seasons? I'd, I'd be lying if I said I knew a lot about him, but I have seen him play a couple of times for Sevilla and he's mm-hmm. looked He's not looked out of depth at that level, put it that way. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to note that that's the thing. Even these, looking at the World Cup, even these teams that we do not particularly fancy to go far in the tournament, you know, you still see players from Chelsea and Sevilla. And, you know, it's it's amazing the, the, the level of quality that there is even in these so-called smaller teams now. Mm-hmm. Um, the gap between France, Brazil and Germany and the rest is definitely closing. It's, it's, a, it's an argument for um, it being 2022 and the world arguably getting smaller. You know, it's... Mm. Clubs think nothing of going to all corners of the earth now and, and pulling the players that they, they want. You know, you'd imagine looking back at World Cups of, of the past, I mean, even the Brazil teams who were so good... Uh, so many of their players very rarely played outside Brazil at the time, whereas now the Brazil team is made up of, of a majority of players who are European-based. So yeah. it's just the, the changing nature of, of football and, and the world, really, that, that that seems to be the case. Um, talking about those lineups and how they're going to impact, let's have a quick look at the fixtures. We've obviously looked at it from the point of view of everybody else in this group, but it wouldn't be right to to not look at it from Morocco's point of view. They've obviously got that tough opener or tough two openers against Croatia and Belgium. I think, Mm. I can't remember, I said about another team who I thought had two of the toughest openers. I think Mm. it might have been Australia um, at the World Cup. But Morocco, I mean, they've got about as tough a two opening games as you can get as well, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, from Morocco's point of view, their best chance of getting through is to try and take something from one of those two games and keep it alive going into that last game against Canada and hoping that they can beat Canada and other results go their way. That, yeah. that Realistically, that's Morocco's best chance of getting through. Um, and to be honest, I think they probably have a better chance of doing something against Belgium than they do against Croatia. Yeah, I would agree with that. If if anybody wants to go back and watch our previous games, we talked about um, you know, the aging nature of the Belgium defence particularly and um the fact that even though some of their older squad members are getting to the age that they're at, they're still regularly picked. And I wouldn't like to be Toby Alderweireld or or Jan Vertongen having to deal with a Hakim Ziyech or a or an in Naziri from Seville. No, definitely not. Um, no, I mean, you know, 
Argentina have already showed how the big teams can flop. Um, and Belgium are another one that I think are vulnerable to that. Absolutely. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it how it pans out anyway. Um, and I, for one, will be watching as many of those games as possible, as I'm sure Liam will as well. Um, thank you very much, everybody, for joining us for all of the Group F um, reviews of the teams who will be kicking off their World Cup very, very soon. Tomorrow, um, UK time at the time of the court recording, later today for you in Japan, uh, Liam. So um, it's coming thick and fast now with the World Cup games and uh, I, for one, I'm really loving it. So um, thank you, Liam, for joining me and we'll see you again as we kick off the preview for Group G at the World Cup. Thank you, Liam. Thank you.